Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I am your gracious host and Dr. Dilithium, your guiding light. I guess like a lighthouse, right, Luna? In the sea of troubled times. Uh, welcome to the program, everybody. And that was Luna, our intern slash producer. She helps uh, edit and do every, sometimes even write jokes, even though a couple weeks ago that was a disaster. We'll move on from that. So today we finally get to review Picard Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters. And I gotta admit, I actually watched this fresh off the press at 3 a.m. Thursday morning. And I just want you to know, I'm recording this Friday, and it, I'm still struggle bussing. <laughs> I'm uh, in my early 30s, so I'm not used to staying up that late. But, uh, oh boy, I'm yeah, I'm still feeling it and getting up for work at 7.30 on Thursday and even today was rough. So um, if you guys continually do that, I hats off to you because that is a rough way to watch new Picard. However, also, have you guys heard about the drama that is coming about the F-bomb that Picard dropped? I mean, to me, really, and this was in last week's episode, episode four, it just really wasn't that kind of a big deal to me. I mean, yeah, it kind of felt forced in the moment, and it was even like a side note. I was like, oh, okay, he just dropped an F-bomb, but... I mean, besides that, who cares? And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, this is the new Trek. They're, they're trying to, like, de, I don't know, demoralize, I know, Picard or whatever. And I'm just thinking, you know, first off, I'm probably not going to show my, my son Picard for some time. I mean, he's only three, so it might be a decade or so before he, he can watch Picard. But, I mean, remember, like, the very, was it the very first or second episode of Next Generation that... Lieutenant Yar had sex with a robot and we just kind of forgot and glossed over that. It's just, it's always been present in Trek. So it's just not normal, like syndicated TV. So I think that's why people are a little upset, which I really don't understand. And so far, like I've heard from some of you about um, Picard so far this season. And I just have to say, sometimes you can't make everybody happy. I think if you love the next generation that you should be swimming in gleeful nerdum in season three of Picard. Now, the first two seasons, definitely not up to par, weren't very good. Just in my honest, humble opinion. But season three, I mean, if you love TNG, you, you should, I feel like you should love this show, especially after season, I mean, after episode five today. Good gosh, with the return of Ro Laren. I mean, that's, oh man. Before we get into it, just let me plug our social medias. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're on it all, and I appreciate talking with you guys. appreciate hearing your opinions, whether I disagree with them or not. They're really great, and um, it's one of the things I love about podcasting. So let's wait. No further ado, Luna, let's roll. So for a quick overview, we see them successfully escape the gravity well, and kind of concluded a great two-episode arc with 17 seconds and no-win scenario. So, again, I expected, like, kind of, you know, the Titan 
and you know the legacy characters kind of take a breather this episode and and in a way they did and in a way they didn't um imposters definitely lays the groundwork for the later half of the season it has like you know various plot lines are starting to come together finally we kind of can see the big picture what's frontier day going to have to do with everything is that going to be the big climax at the end of the season i don't know but however to me picard and the shows in general kind of finally realized you know do you know it's it excels and we're really good with our writing when it grapples, you know, not only with, you know, TNG and their broad heritage and, and their legacies of those characters, but also the impact of that legacy and the impact of their decisions on other people's lives. And I think that's such a cool, like, through the looking glass kind of moment for the series that we can finally see, okay, th- this world's bigger, you know, than just the bridge crew of the Enterprise. I, I think this episode remains one of the more emotionally captivating episodes of the season and i mean that's they are just consistently turning out bangers for lack of a better term um i mean even i mean the fact that this episode was mainly focused on changeling like physiology that it was still had such emotional impact moments to me it's just is really outstanding in the writing and really outstanding in the groundwork they laid for the rest of the season now if they can land that plane that's a whole nother topic, which we're definitely going to get into later. To me, and I've heard this from somebody, and I really think this is true, talking to one of my friends, is that, you know, this specific, like, five-episode run is some of the best Star Trek that we've seen in a really long time. And, I, I mean, some would even say it's the best that we've seen in the history of the franchise. Because, quite literally, it gets better with every episode. And each episode, there are some flaws you know, we're, we're rating these episodes, you know, like the first one was very poor and, and it's gotten better as it's gone on, but it's, it's still increasing every episode. Now, I don't know. I mean, that's a big ass to say it's some of the best Star Trek ever, but definitely some of the best Star Trek in the last, like, I don't know, 10 years. Easy. You know, those Kelvin timeline movies, meh, you know, whatever, not a big fan. And then, you know, first two seasons of Picard, eh, you know, and just, I mean, there, there's been, bright points in new track but to me this is some of the best and if you agree disagree let me know i'm happy to see but i mean, could all come crashing down next week next episode next thursday it could all come crashing down and it turns into disaster and they built up the plot too big and they can't figure out a right way to land the plane so to speak so we'll see but let's move on to probably part of the show so far and part of this episode was Lieutenant, where well, it's not Lieutenant Rhodes, it's Commander Rhodes now. So I kept thinking of the uh, Weezer song, like Say It Ain't So, but it's now Say It Ain't So, Rhodes, because I wanted to actually make that the episode title. Do you know that, Luna? But I couldn't because it's a major spoiler. Because if you're just, you know, scrolling and you see Rowe, you're like, has Rowe Laren come back? So I couldn't put that. But um, yeah, definitely reminded me of that Weezer song. So we, we have this unexpected return. I mean, I, for one, would not have drawn that name out of a hat for what would happen this season. And so we see Bajoran Commander Rolaren come back and really is what made this episode really successful. And we finally found out what happened to Ro. Like, uh, you know, she went with the Maquis, the episode right before the finale of TNG, and that was it. We haven't really heard anything from her. And um, F- 
if you didn't know, and if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you probably heard me mention before how Michelle Forbes was originally going to be in the role of Kieran Reese in DS9, but Forbes actually turned that down. Uh, I guess, is this right, Luna, just to kind of get away from acting in general? So she turned down, you know, they kind of wrote her into DS9 as Kieran Reese and didn't work out. But then we get the awesome Nana Vister and the awesome role of Kieran Reese, so it definitely worked out for DS9 fans. Now, just a real recap on Ro Lawrence. I mean, she definitely has a complicated past with the Enter- Enterprise Bridge crew, you know, uh, with Picard, Riker, and Starfleet. Just again, episode 24 of season seven, uh, Preemptive Strike is the one right before All Good Things, the TNG finale. She defected and joined uh, the Maquis, and Picard kind of took it super personal. He viewed it as a personal portrayal, and we just see her leave the next generation. She's not involved in any more of the movies, anything. So from that episode, Preemptive Strike, to this one, we really heard nothing about her. So, and now flash forward to Picard, we see Rose come back to Starfleet. You know, she served her time in prison after being court-martial, and then is now an official investigator, you know, tasked with, you know, leading in the inquiry into the potential treason committed by Riker and Picard on the Titan. However, we discovered that at the end of the episode, brilliantly with that spycraft uh, earpiece, Bajoran earpiece, that, you know, she's actually been investigating the Changeling problem all along. To me, where the episode really excels at is the emotional scenes between and the intricate writing and interplay of, you know, the regret, the fondness for one another, and it comes off like super authentic. And then also the anger that still exists between Picard and Roe. Um, and I have to say, like, Patrick Stewart and Michelle Forbes, I mean, continue to be an outstanding duo. And Picard's anger towards Roe, like, def- like defection from Starfleet, is completely understandable. Like, hey, I mentored you, I trusted you, I gave you a second chance, people told me not to, I took you under my wing, we bonded, and then you you defy everything that's important to me, everything I stand for, my principles, everything you just spit in the face of, according to Picard. And I will say, like, Stewart's performance also, like, exposes how personally he took Rose's decision and how deeply hurt he was by it. Um, again, so for, for so long, we see Picard kind of hide his emotions, you know, and I understand like the command structure, you know, well, I can't show my crew that and, and he hides his emotions. And um, famously in the last episode, as I mentioned it again, he sits down at the officer's poker table and says, oh, I wish I started this long ago. So he's removed himself emotionally from those around him, from his friends, family, love interests, whatever. And then now we start seeing them kind of peel back those layers. And this has been an underlying theme kind of for the whole season of season three, which is really great. And they they kind of have a, a couple of lines exchange. Picard says, you broke my heart. And then Rose like, well, you did the same for me. And I mean, on the flip side of the coin, I mean, Roe kind of still you can tell in the acting by Forbes that she still yearns for Picard's approval. I mean, the dude gave her a chance and that is hurt that he could not like, you know, trust her and that these weren't her genuine beliefs. 
And I think this, again, these complexities between the two make for an awesome dynamic. And I mean, the line was, what did she say? The line was, blind duty is your dishonor, Captain. And so it, again, rages the whole old question of, you know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And um, Roe did did what she thought was right, what she was correcting injustice. She thought the Federation turned the back on these... um, colonists on these people that are were now like in charge of the card or cardassians were now in charge of so i understand wholeheartedly why but still it's um very interesting very interesting to see um then finally dish it out and i i guess it was like i heard somebody say uh, one of my friends it was like this was a uh, like an argument 30 years in the making like they were ready to go at each other the moment they saw each other especially Picard. He was pissed from the get-go. And Roe was like, it's Commander, blah, blah, blah. Like, so she was very defensive as well. And I, I love that we finally could get a little bit of resolution, you know, as we see her, you know, enter that um, shuttle pod. And we, and the, I mean, you just kind of knew it's like, this probably is not going to end well. And she sacrifices herself so the Titan can get away. And and we finally kind of see, and Picard says, he's like, I finally see who you are. I see why you did it. And so maybe, again, we in a quick 60 seconds, we get some resolution to one of, it seems like, Picard's deepest cuts during his time as captain. And there's this betrayal. And, I mean, who, who knows? But I, I will say, um, what also out excluding, you know, um, John Luke and, and Rolar and going at it and those emotional scenes. Um, Imposters is highly effective, you know, in bringing back the beauty of the last couple seasons of DS9 of who's the real character and who's a changeling in disguise. I mean, it's it's just tough. And all the while, you have it like wrapped up in heartbreak between the two of them. It's It to me just really shows careful writing thought out writing you know it's not like star wars where they're just kind of like well we just threw it together you know we make it fit it's just the writing has really improved at least for now um and the fact and i love the twist that you know like the painful memories ultimately provide proof of their true identities i think is emotionally impactful and is narratively sound and it's just an excellent plot development it was brilliant i loved it again it's like changeling's just a recap, they they don't know um, those deep, personal, unique things about you. So when they're going at it and spouting all these emotional hurts and angers and, and open wounds over the past 30 years, it's like, okay, you are who you say you are because only you would know that. I think, again, talking like I said before, they definitely both have valid arguments to both sides. She did portray, you know, the fund- fundamental principles Picard held dear. And besides, they're relationship however i mean one could argue and i and i heard this too from a friend after we we both watched it um he kind of says you know picard only believed in her when it was most convenient for him to do so and that he kind of confuses you know morality and duty as the same thing and as we see with and it's not you know it's a gray area she she was fighting for these kind of people that were taken advantage of and forgotten about in a way. So I think what she did was noble. 
on the flip side, so we have this beautiful, you know, narratively sound, awesome writing with Rolaren and Riker and Picard on the Titan. And on the other side, we have Rafi and Worf, and it's just more pacing issues, you know, kind of like a fat kid trying to run a mile. A lot of pacing issues with this. Uh, didn't really seem to get its footing, and it kind of took me out of the episode, if that makes any sense. It took me out of the Star Trek bubble whenever it like cut to these guys. Now I will say that uh Rafi and Worf, excellent, you know, performances. I thought the acting was great. I just I just felt like it kind of shifted focus away from this high, you know, tension situation building on the Titan. It just didn't keep up with the momentum of the show. Um I will say this I love seeing Worf, you know, proclaim it's a good day to die and he's slinging and cutting all these people up and i i love seeing that i mean it didn't add a lot to the overall story um first off i mean do we really think they were gonna ultimately like kill Worf? like is that really gonna be the end of you know michael dorn Worf? the dude's been in i think 277 episodes of star trek that's gonna be the end no like i didn't believe that for a second and it's okay it's okay. However, we can finally see that these two major narrative threads, you know, that Rolyron has been in charge of, of the intelligence officer Worf's been talking to, and then go down the domino to Rafi. So we see these two massive narrative threads finally intersect, and that probably next week we're going to get that reunion of war finally, you know, with, with Picard and Riker and Crusher. So I don't know if you know this, but the guy that plays Kryn, you know, the criminal Vulcan, again, this is something I've read too over the past couple episodes, is that there have been multiple 12 monkey actors and actresses and references throughout the show. And again, this is another one. Um, so apparently, Avicito, is that his name? Last name? Avicito is kind of this genre actor for sci-fi, and he plays, you know, that warlord Vulcan made what it, he it was kind of like a logical way to think about the world of crime. It, what's the line, Luna? There could be no utopia without crime. Ergo, an organized criminal enterprise is logical. I mean, I think it's kind of special in the world building of Vulcans in a way. Like, okay, so Vulcans could theoretically, logically be talked into anything, it seems like. There is one line, though, that he says that kind of summarized the entire season for me. And it's... <laughs> And it's, and he says, in my world, loyalty is what passes for family. So that's kind of what it's been like, you know, these legacy characters and the crew of the Titan finally have loyalty what passes for family. They're each other's family. I liked it. And so we're going to see eventually probably something to do with Daystrom in the next couple of weeks. Those episodes breaking in. Maybe that's where we get into lore. We'll have to see. But I, I think Kryn did a good job. I think he was okay. But again, the pacing was off and just kind of took you out of the highly tenseful situation that was on the Titan, unfortunately. Moving on to Shaw. And I feel, I feel like this is almost a weekly segment at this point. I think it was like for the first couple episodes, Dick of the Week. <laughs> I, I think he's definitely the way this character is being portrayed by Todd Sashwick. It's almost getting to the point of legendary status. Like he's almost... Um, becoming an icon in Star Trek. So I feel like we're definitely going to see him again, especially um, how he banters and goes back and forth with Seven and legacy characters. My personal favorite is when they're on the turbo lift 
and he reinstates seven, you know, quote unquote, to get the fastest court martial he's ever seen. And then go down the list of all the kind of uh, tomfoolery that Riker and Picard have been through. And it's just a lot of moments with Shaw this episode. Again, he even says, he's like, I'm going to step outside so the three of you can get your BS story straight. And so it's just on the surface, you know, he's kind of a dick to our heroes again. But if you take a step back, I mean, it's another kind of a lot of examples of him truly like, you know, legitimately giving them off the books chance to help themselves. He, I, I definitely understand why he's a captain by the book. And, you know, there's necessary gray areas in being in Starfleet and captains, but I just think he wants to be left out of them. He wants to be on his own devices. So it's it's been a nice addition and surprise addition to the Picard family. However, going from Todd Sashwick and Shaw and kind of like his a-holy <laughs> persona, I guess, is, is Jack Crusher. And this is the only fault so far. I shouldn't say the only fault. I definitely have issues with, you know, the very beginning of the Rafi storyline, but um, is this kind of mystery and intrigue with Jack Crusher. This episode, you know, raises a lot of questions, um, you know, why he's experiencing those hallucinations. And he has apparently has like strange abilities now. And he's like a super spy that can turn them on, turn them off. Like, it's really unclear, you know, it's like he can control them. Do they manifest at random? I just feel like there's a mixture of, remember, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Mind Flayer from Stranger Things. That's what I think of with the red roots and vines coming out, and you have the red door, and it's just, how how is that tied to changelings, you know? And to me, and, and when he's about to get captured and about to be forced to go to the uh, the Intrepid, I mean, did, did he just straight murder four people? Did he know that they were changelings before he went into attack mode and turned into, you know, Jason Bourne and turned it all off and if not then that's super concerning because he just like randomly killed four people out of nowhere turned flipped the switch came back and was like oh thank goodness they were changelings I did the right thing so it's to me this is kind of starting to get a little sloggy I think they need to kind of get some resolution we need to get some answers and again like I said this is an incredible five episode like run of Star Trek so it is amazing but again, we're reviewing and I'm just going through the content and this is the part I don't like, you know, it's, so it's kind of like you have a really nice meal, like you have a steak and you have potatoes, which are amazing, but then the broccoli just doesn't taste good. So you're like, eh, okay. I mean, it's not bad, but it doesn't ruin the whole meal. It's just, if they didn't have this kind of slow Jack, Jack Crusher part, it could have been better. But I just can't believe that, you know, his mother is one of the most respected doctors in Starfleet in all the universe and he doesn't say anything to her to be like hey like i'm having these crazy visions help <laughs> it, i don't know like i mean it's tough to speculate why his abilities the changelings want if he's like half changeling i don't know it's i think it'd be kind of a lazy writing you know if they were just like oh yeah he's like part changeling or something i just i don't know i think next week we'll provide some much needed answers and Hopefully it they can land the plane. You know, they can really give us the ending that the show is building towards, if that makes any sense. You know, so we've had an amazing first five episodes and they've laid the groundwork for the rest of the season and the expectations are high. So hopefully this is something that they can land the plane on. 
so to speak. Also, real quick, I definitely want to talk about the changeling physiology and the evolutions. I really liked how they are making them evolve, even though, you know, these people or this, shouldn't say these people, um, these changelings, there we go, uh, are outside the Great Link. You know, they're this terrorist side organization. And I don't know if that's a evolution particularly for them so they could get better and they can beat those blood tests, you know, and um, I think there's a couple Easter eggs we're talking about about that. And it, to me, it just was like, it was nice to see them revamped. You know, if they, if they hadn't changed, you know, in the 30 years since the Dominion War, I'd be like, mm, okay, that's kind of odd. But they've really kind of looks like to me made an effort to constantly be undetectable. And so who knows if we learned that the changelings um, did some type of genetic, you know, resequencing type of thing. So they would be almost undetectable and that they had this plan from the get go, you know, after the Dominion War, you know, was this the plan from the start to be like, we're going to plan our revenge It's going to take time, but we're going to do it. And I mean, I think Wei Yun even has a quote about that. It's like, it's like humans think of 10 year, 20 year terms, the Dominion think of thousand year terms. I think that's probably what might have happened. You know, they lost the Dominion War. Odo healed the Great Link and they're like, all right, well, do you know what? We're going to get you back, but it might take, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. So I, I'm, I'm very pleased with so far with, with the uh, entire changeling evolution and the physiology change. I think that's really cool. So speaking of changelings and blood tests and all that, let's get into some Easter eggs. And that's number one to start us off with is um, referencing those blood tests that took part in kind of the procedures and the precautions they've taken place since the Dominion War that they've added like these scanners every time somebody comes in, you know, and it references specific episodes of DS9, Homefront, Paradise Lost, where those blood tests became central to the narrative. And um, even Odo suggested the Federation should use those in the episode of The Adversary. So I think it's funny, though, because I feel like at the and I may have to rewatch DS9, but I feel like that near the end of the Dominion War, those blood tests became completely nonsense because they would just the changeling would just absorb blood or hold blood for a particular reason and then they could pass the blood test but i just remember at one point hey these might be a little obsolete speaking of obsolete just kidding i like shaw so uh shaw randomly like when he was in the turbo lift with picard and Riker, like kind of goes down some of the uh all-time greats that the enterprise crew did just for references so He's like the time someone hot dropped the saucer section of the Enterprise D. Uh, that was Star Trek Generations. The time someone threw the Prime Directive out the window so they could snog a villager on Baku. That was Insurrection. Um, and then the time you boys nearly wiped out all of humanity by creating a time paradox in the Devron system. And of course, is a TNG series finale, all good things. So we didn't have such a high bar for um, Easter eggs this episode, but... There's still little ones that I like there. All right, Luna, that has been our review of Picard episode Imposters. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And it's been a pleasure kind of reviewing these first five episodes of Picard season three with you. And and again, if you disagree with me, you don't like it, please reach out to social media 
please reach out to our number. It's on there. You can text. You can leave voicemails. I love hearing from you guys. All the different opinions. You know, some I'm just really off the wall. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And like one guy was like, it's not even Picard. It's a it's a robot, so it doesn't even count. This shouldn't even be Star Trek. I'm like, okay, like technically you're not wrong, but <laughs> don't ruin it for everybody. Still, um, I love to hear from you guys, and it's great. And then if you're looking for some good reviews, please check out www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. He's going through The Mandalorian right now, season three of that. And as I watched The Mandalorian, I was like, man, I'm so glad we're in the hands of Star Trek because it just seems to me when you compare the two franchises of Star Wars and Star Trek, we're just putting out some bangers compared to Star Wars. Like, we know what we're doing. We're we're rocking it. And I'm, I'm, I, think, I think the franchise is in a lot better shape than Star Wars. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Please remember, take care of yourselves out there, guys. It's starting to get warmer finally. We can go out and take those mental health walks everyone says we should because they definitely do work, so I suggest that. And always remember, second start of the right, straight on till morning.